Amen. <laughs> the great apostle Linus joins us this morning. It's always good when Linus makes his first appearance at New Life Church. You know Christmas is here. Merry Christmas. I'm going to say it to you the whole month of December. So Merry Christmas. Amen. Good to have all of you, all of you watching online. Merry Christmas to you. I want to tell you something. Uh, for the next four Sundays, I'm going to preach a very familiar message to you. And I do not apologize. Some of these messages I have preached before. And I think there's a reason why we need to repeat the story, though. I think we need to be reminded as we come into the season of Advent, the season of Christmas, of how our story began. And the, the beginning of our story is important. Why did God, listen to this, why in the world would God leave heaven and come to a dark and violent earth as a baby? What in the world was he thinking? That's how our story begins. Now, our story is going to end next spring with a story of an empty tomb. And we're going to come into this room and we're going to celebrate Good Friday. We're going to celebrate Easter Sunday. We're going to celebrate the resurrection. But the resurrection story starts with a birth story. And I'm going to talk to you today about a disruptive baby. I, just, I love the fact when the young couples come and dedicate their babies. One of the things I look at them, I look at them and I can tell they're exhausted. <laughs> can, we just, can we just say to all the young married couples who are having babies that this too shall pass? The days are long, but the years are short. I can promise you, you're going to look up one day and you're going to get a lot of sleep. I just want to prophesy over you. There will be Sunday mornings, Saturday, not Sunday mornings, Saturday mornings where you can sleep in. You will go to bed early and you will rise late. That is coming in your future, I promise you. As a 54-year-old whose children are now grown, thus saith the Lord, rest is coming back to you. Your life will get more expensive, but you will be more rested, okay? I'm just telling you that. All right, Linus just read to us Luke chapter 2, 1 through 14. So I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to pick up where Linus left off in verse 15. And I'm going to talk to you about this disruptive baby. What in the world was actually happening on the earth? I'm going to give you some historical context. Maybe you've never heard the real story of what was happening across the planet on the night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So we're going to pick up in verse 15. Now, what's happened up to this point is a group of ordinary shepherds have been going about their business. They've been shepherding sheep, hanging out with the sheep at night. <clears throat> and listen to this. An angel of the Lord appeared. This is exactly what Linus just read to us. Verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven. <laughs> Can we just stop for a moment? This is, uh, when we read this story, it's so charming. And we have sanitized this story. We have made this story so sentimental. You're an ordinary nine to five, work hard kind of guy. And you have the night shift. You're out in an open field with coyotes and sheep, with predators and prey. And suddenly the heavens open up over you and an angel of the Lord speaks to you. Has that happened to anybody this week? Has anybody had a first person encounter with a living, breathing angel in the middle of the night this year? If you, please tell me after the service, but I suspect I would have already heard about it. 
And he says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, as if that happens every single day, the shepherds said to one another, that doesn't happen very often. I think we should go to Bethlehem and explore this more. So they go to Bethlehem and they see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when, listen very carefully, this is such an important passage. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. Now leave it up just for a moment. New Life Church, when you've had a personal, powerful, life-changing encounter with Jesus, your first and natural response will be to go and tell as many people possible about this person of Jesus. And one of the reasons I believe we have, many churches have lost their evangelistic fervor. We've lost our zeal to go tell people about Jesus is it's been a long time since we've had a face-to-face -face powerful encounter with Jesus. But these ordinary shepherds who were, did not sign up for this, when they saw Jesus, they immediately were compelled to go spread the word about this Jesus. And listen to this, here's what's gonna happen for you and for me when we tell people about Jesus. And all who heard it were amazed. When you begin to tell people about Jesus, listen, you know, we all have a responsibility to be a witness. And in this Christmas season, this is the easiest time of the year to invite people to church. And I wanna encourage you to invite people to come with you to church. And he says, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them, but Mary treasured it all up kept a good diary, she took good notes, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you read all of the Bible, Genesis through the book of Revelation, some of you have read the entire Bible, some of you have read it many times. But in this particular passage of scripture, so the birth of Jesus is primarily told in Matthew and in the book of Luke. Those are the two books of the Bible where the details in the birth of Jesus are highlighted and where we hear all of the details. Nowhere else in all of the scriptures, nowhere else do we see a high concentration of angelic activity. So I'm gonna show this to you, okay? In the book of Luke, there are three angelic encounters. The first one we see is the the, the mighty angel Gabriel is coming to Zechariah. He is with Zechariah, having a conversation. He surprises Zechariah. He, he, he the, the powerful encounter. And then the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. Says, Mary, I know you're available. I know you're okay with this, but I wanna tell you that you're going to be pregnant. And this pregnancy is a gift from God to your life. So that's a big thing, big story of the Bible, but that happened first and foremost because of an angelic encounter. And then the third one is the one we just read in the book of Luke, where the angels appear to a group of ordinary shepherds. So that's just in the book of Luke. In the book of Matthew, we have three completely different angelic encounters. One, so let me show these to you, okay? In, the, in Matthew, Joseph, the father of Jesus, had three angelic encounters. Number one, the angel appeared to Joseph and said, hey, by the way, the girl you're engaged to, the girl you're betrothed to is pregnant. 
and she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, can we just stop and pause here just for a moment? Every man in the room, if your girlfriend got pregnant and said to you, the father is God, you also would need an angel to appear to you and to confirm that the father is God. So let's not so be so hard on Joseph here. It would take an angel to appear to you to convince you of this. Well, sure enough, Joseph chooses to believe it. And then a second encounter happens. He said the, the same angel appears to Joseph and says, flee, get out of here right now. Take Mary, take this baby and get to Egypt because your lives are in danger. I want you to understand something that when, when, when we hear about refugees around the world, and this is happening right now around the world, when we hear of people being persecuted and displaced and brought to another country for their own safety, that's the definition of a refugee. Jesus was a refugee. That's why when we hear of refugee stories, it, it, something stirs in the hearts of Christ followers because the savior that we worship, the savior that was resurrected was also a refugee. He was a vulnerable baby having to flee to Egypt. And isn't it ironic that Jesus had to flee to Egypt for his safety when 2000 years earlier, that's the very nation that Israel was liberated from. So Egypt was the place where we had to flee to get our safety. 2000 years later, Jesus flees back into Egypt for his safety. And then the third encounter is after they're in Egypt, we don't know exactly how long they're in Egypt, but the third encounter is when the, the angel appears and says, take Mary and Jesus and go back to Israel. Now let's just stop here for a moment because if you're a Hebrew scholar, if you study the prophecies of the Messiah as told by Hebrew scholars, there are three important things that the Messiah would do. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, would cry out for help from Egypt, the Bible says, and that he would be a product, he would be raised in Nazareth. So the birth story of Jesus, it actually fulfills three very important Hebrew prophecies. He's born in Bethlehem, he cries out for help from Egypt, but he is from Nazareth. So this is why it's so important. The story of the incarnation, as told in Matthew and Luke, features the greatest concentration of angelic visits in all of scripture. In fact, heaven was literally invading the earth. Now I want you to stop and pause. Why was this happening? Why at this particular moment in the history of the world was such a powerful, angelic expression needed? What was happening? All right, now most of you know the story of Jesus and Mary and Bethlehem and all that, but what you don't know is what was happening in the most powerful empire on the planet at this very time. Caesar Augustus was the ruler of the Roman Empire when Jesus was born. Caesar Augustus had just gone through one of the most bloody and violent coups in all of Roman history. He was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And if you know this story, Julius Caesar was uh, murdered by the Senate. And out of that murder and out of that mayhem, his adopted son, Caesar Augustus, became the ruler of all of the Roman Empire. And by brute strength, 
by his own power through blood and violence, he established himself not just as the ruler of the Roman Empire, but as the dictator. So Augustus, during this time that Jesus was coming on the planet, Augustus defeats all of his challengers and led Rome for being a republic, which is what we are in the United States. We are a democratic republic, but he, he, he took it a step further. He went to becoming an empire with him as the sole leader, he was the dictator. So he became the, the supreme ruler of the greatest military and political power on the earth at the same time that baby Jesus was born from a scared teenage girl on a forgotten outpost of the Roman Empire, a nation called Israel. All right, listen very carefully, okay? When Augustus became ruler, Augustus's birth was called the gospel. The birth of Augustus throughout the Roman Empire was called the gospel, which is good news. We know that, right? Caesar and his followers considered Augustus a god and actually called him the son of God. In fact, it was very common during this time that Jesus was on the planet that a small coin had been fashioned and on this coin was the face of Augustus and circled around it was the son of God. Our coins say in God we trust. On his coin, it was his face and it was called the son of God. Listen, I believe something epic was happening in the heavens. At the very time that men, through their own force and strength, was declaring that they were rulers over all the earth, God says, I'm about to show you the real savior and I'm about to send him in the most unusual way. He's going to be a vulnerable baby. When Augustus was at his greatest strength, when Augustus was at his most powerful, a little baby was being born in a manger in Bethlehem and angels were declaring that the real son of God had arrived and the real champion of all mankind was being born in a most unusual way. Let me ask you a question. On December 24th and December 25th, when we gather in this room and have services to celebrate Christmas, are we going to celebrate Caesar Augustus and the Roman Empire? Or are we gonna celebrate Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, at, at, at who every knee will bow and every tongue will confess? Listen, this is what's happening. God said, I'm going to show you who the real ruler of the world is and his name is not Augustus, his name is Jesus. Are you catching this today? That's why the birth of Jesus was so disruptive. And next week, I'm gonna share you the story of the three wise men and I'm gonna share with you why Herod was so intimidated by the birth of a baby in Bethlehem. I'm gonna show this to you and it's going to, it's going to work into this particular story. But the story of a baby, now think about this, of all the people that Caesar Augustus should have been concerned about, the story of a baby arriving at an evil empire that was oppressing God's people. First of all, it was certainly not new. Let me tell you something else. This is the second time in the story of the Bible that a baby brought redemption to God's people. See, Moses was also a baby. Moses had also been abandoned by his mother. 
Moses was floated down the Nile, a crocodile-infested river, when all of a sudden, one of the handmaidens, one of the maids of the queen, the queen, Pharaoh's sister, sees him floating through the river, and she wades out in the water and rescues Moses. Moses then was raised in the courts of Pharaoh, and because of his leadership training, the world-class leadership training that Moses got in the halls of Pharaoh, he was able to lead the people of God out of bondage from Egypt into the promised land. Listen, this is a story of the Bible. This is a narrative that you can find throughout the scriptures. God sends the most unlikely heroes, sometimes in the form of a vulnerable baby, to be the agents of rescue for the nation of Israel. All right, now skip down with me to verse 25, Luke 2, verse 25, because this all ties into what's about to happen in the temple courts. Now in verse 25, on the eighth day, according to Jewish tradition, if you had a baby son, on the eighth day, mom and dad took the baby son into the temple courts for the rite of circumcision. That's exactly what Joseph and Mary was doing. So in verse 25, they're being good parents, they're being dutiful parents, so they're going into the temple courts. Verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, an elderly man. We don't know much about Simeon before this story, and we don't know much about Simeon after this story. But we do know he was in that temple that day, and he was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Can we just stop for a moment? Do you understand that the nation of Israel had been waiting thousands of years for the Messiah to show up? And in the last 400 years of their story, God had gone mute. God had gone quiet. It says that there were no prophecies in the land for 400 years. From the time of Malachi, the last prophet, God seemed like he had gone mute. He had gone silent. It seems like the prayers of the saints bounced from heaven right back to the earth. But Simeon had kept the faith. New Life Church, I wanna say that some of you have been praying and you've been diligent and you've been, you've been righteous in your prayers, I wanna encourage you today that, the, that God has heard your prayers. And it may not happen when you want it to happen, but God has heard every syllable, every utterance of every prayer. And there was a man called Simeon, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen this promised Messiah, the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. He didn't know why he was there that day. He'd been there many times. Look, Simeon was familiar with the courts. This was not the first time he had been to church. He knew where the donuts were. He knew where to sit. He knew what was about to happen. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts and when the parents brought in the child, now look, when I get to heaven, I wanna go back and review, I wanna see this story play out. You see Joseph and Mary with baby God and they're about to circumcise baby God and they're walking into the temple courts and this elderly man who they've never met, they do not know who this elderly man is, walks over to them. And, he, and when the parents brought in the child, he said to do what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms. He, he grabbed baby God from him. I want, I want to hold this child. I want to hold this baby. And Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God. Something burst out of him. An eruption of the Spirit happened in him. He was holding God, the very thing that for all of his life he had been longing for, calling for, praying for, was in a, the form of a baby. And for the first time in his life, 
in his hands is the Messiah. Jesus is holding, he's holding him and he's looking at him. Now, I'm about to tell you something. Please never say this to a newborn, to a mom, okay, who's had a newborn baby. You have to be overwhelmed by the Spirit to say what Simeon's about to say to Mary, okay? And I'm just encouraging you not to do that, all right? Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I can die now. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. Now, that's good news, all right? Well, listen to what he's about to say. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, stop just for a moment. Most of us in this room are Gentiles. Most of us. There are some Jewish people in the room. But most of us, watching online, most of us in this room, he just prophesied over you. The reason you're sitting in this room is because Jesus broke the barrier, the dividing wall, and came and grafted in two movements, the Gentiles. He allowed us to be grafted into the story of the Jewish people. We found salvation through a Jewish story because Jesus grafted us into the story. And can we say amen that us Gentiles found our way home? And, and Simeon saw this. Simeon prophesied this. He says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory, your people in Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled as what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, please don't say this, okay? This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. In other words, your kid's going to be trouble. Your kid's going to be disruptive. Remember, the title of this message is The Disruptive Baby. And see, what, what I'm concerned about in this Christmas season is that we've made Christmas sentimental and we've sanitized it and we've made it a Hallmark movie. And listen, I'm okay with you having your traditions. I have my traditions. I'm okay with you putting grandma's decorations on the tree and doing all the things that your family has done for generations. I hope you do that and I hope you find joy in that. I hope you find goodness in that and don't feel one ounce of guilt about that. But that's not the complete Christmas story. Jesus came as a baby to unsettle us. Jesus came as a baby and a disruptive force. And he says that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword, listen, he's looking at Mary now, and he says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Remember what happened, remember, our story starts at Christmas and our story will be complete at Easter. What happened on Good Friday? Jesus is a grown man now and he's being crucified on a cross. And the only people that did not abandon Jesus was his mother and a few other women. And in that moment, a Roman soldier making sure that Jesus was dead took his spear and pierced his heart. Simeon sees this. Simeon says this baby is going to cause people's hearts to be unsettled. This baby has come as a disruptive force and a sword will pierce your heart too. Can you imagine as a mom watching your child be crucified and watching that sword pierce to your child's heart? Her heart was pierced as well and Simeon saw all of this. Let me show you verse 20, 34 because this is the essence of the message. In verse 34 he says, this baby will be the falling 
and the rising of many. And this is the place of decision we have to have today at Christmas. What will the story of Jesus cause you to do? I'm not going to stand here and give you sentimental sermons about Christmas. I want you to enjoy Christmas. Christmas is amazing. It is love, joy, peace, and butterflies and rainbows. I do believe all of that. It's just not the complete story. Here's what Simeon was saying to us today. Those of us who choose to fall in worship will rise victorious. See, what I want the Christmas story to do for all of us is to cause us to fall on our face. The Christmas story should cause us to worship. The Christmas story should bring us to a place of contriteness. The, 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 the Christmas story, when told biblically, should make us fall on our knees. You're gonna, we saw this with the shepherds when they went and saw Mary. They marveled at all that they saw. Next week, when I tell you the story of the three wise men, when they saw Jesus, they left their gifts and they fell at the feet of Jesus. This is what the Christmas story, the Christmas story should cause us to worship, to humble ourselves before God, who himself humbled himself and came in the form of a baby and made himself available to all mankind. Listen, let me tell you the story of Jesus. He was born of a virgin, and for the first 30 years of his life, he lived in absolute obscurity. But one day, by the Jordan River, he decided to be baptized and heaven opened up and the father said, this is my son whom I am well pleased. And from that moment on, he spent the next three years of his life laying hands on the sick, healing them, speaking to people who were bound in bondage and setting them free. And then he went through the sham of a trial, was accused of things that he never did and was taken outside the city gates of Jerusalem and crucified and he died a literal death. Didn't even have a tomb of his own to be buried in, so he was buried in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, the same spirit that is on the earth today was alive in him, and he was resurrected, and he came to life. And over 500 of his followers firsthand were witnesses of his resurrection. And then he stood outside those same city gates that he had been crucified, and he ascended into heaven, and he said to all of us, go and make disciples. Go and be my disciples. Witnesses. That's the story that we're telling today. That story causes me to fall. That story causes me to bow and worship. So would you stand with me today? Christ has invaded our world. Christ has invaded us. And this is the gift that he came. The gift he wants to give you today is peace. And in a troubled, dark world, the gift that we need today is peace. So if you need peace, if you desire peace, if you want the source of peace, would you just open up your hands with me and let's, can we just let this story cause us to worship? Father, we are called to receive something you gave us. We receive the peace. You are the prince of peace, the giver of peace, the source of all peace. The Father in heaven, we are here today to receive that gift. And we turn our hands toward heaven because we cannot find this peace in our own strength. So Lord, today, would you let our own empires crumble and fall before you? New Life Church, if you've built an empire of yourself, would you just let it fall before the Lord today? And would you declare that his kingdom will have no end?
that Christ will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. Our kingdom will pass away. All the things that we have built will pass away, but his kingdom will have no end. Father, we welcome that today. We welcome a new kingdom into our lives. We welcome the Prince of Peace into our lives. And we ask it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want you to just keep your hands lifted. We're gonna sing this beautiful song. It's a song of repentance. It's a song of confession. It's a song of testimony. It's a great song to prepare our hearts to come to the table of the Lord. Let's sing this together. Let's pray this together. And in just a moment, Pastor Daniel is gonna lead us to the table of the Lord. Would you get your communion elements ready to receive? I think communion is the absolute perfect response to this message because communion, this encounter with Jesus is a premeditated fall. <laughs> We're choosing to enter into submission to Jesus. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, I want you to enter into my brokenness with me. I'm going to heal the world by being broken first. And so, as Pastor Brady said from Simeon, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many. We can be, we can be that person. Today in communion, we bow our knee. And so right now, I wanna invite you to close your eyes and to begin to repent, to give yourself over to the Lord Jesus afresh today. 
Maybe there's someone you need to extend forgiveness to and speak blessing over them. Would you do that now? Maybe there's a sin that's so easily entangled you that you need to just throw at the feet of Jesus today. Would you fall at his feet on purpose? Jesus, we need you to heal us. Jesus, we need you to cleanse us. Jesus, we need you to wash us. We repent before you, Jesus Christ. So on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And I invite you to break that little wafer there in your hands as a sign that Jesus went first. Jesus humbled himself first and was broken first. He said, as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Remember what the life with Jesus is like. And so you may receive the broken bread from Jesus today. On that same night, he took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of all of your sins. Saints, you are clean today because of Jesus. You are forgiven today because of Jesus. There is a fresh start today because of Jesus. We all carry in shame. We all carry in guilt. And Jesus today again extends the cup to us and says, you are clean. You may receive the cup from Jesus today. And now let's sing to him. At the cross about my knee, where your blood was shed for me, there's no greater love than Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And this is the good news of the gospel. Are you glad you've come into the presence of the Lord today to worship? I know I am. Would you open your hands now as you prepare to leave? We want to speak the blessing of God over you and send you out in the strength of the Lord. I pray today, may the Lord our God bless you and keep you. 
May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you peace today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. One more time, let's praise God for what he's done here today. Two quick things before you leave. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If you need prayer about anything, we would love to agree with you in prayer. And if you're new, come see us at Connect Central in the lobby. Go from here in God's grace and peace today. Much love.